Welcome to the Pacific Forest Foundation's Talking Timber, where each week you meet the professionals behind the Northwest timber industry. Hi, and welcome to Talking Timber. I'm your host, Diane Mettler. I'm the Executive Director of the Pacific Logging Congress. This week, we are going to be talking to Roger Smith of R.L. Smith Logging out of Olympia, Washington. And he's going to talk about what it takes to get into the industry today. And he's also going to talk about Pacific Forest Foundation's Adopt a High School program. Before we start, we want to thank our sponsors, the Pacific Logging Congress and the Pacific Forest Foundation. Both of these organizations provide sound technical education about the forest industry. The Pacific Forest Foundation also provides thousands of dollars of scholarships each year. Applications are open now until May 1st. So if you or someone you know is studying or will be studying in a forestry related field, please apply online at www.pacificforestfoundation.org. Okay, let's hear from Roger Smith. Oh, I got started, actually my mom's side of the family was all into logging, uh, Grand Dwarf Brothers. They had their own uh, 046 tower up in the high country. But when I was going into high school, I, I always thought I wanted to be a, a carpenter. So I took carpentry class for two periods a day for two straight years. Um, but when I, after I graduated, I, I actually helped build one house. I was a laborer and you know, that was 1980. So the housing pretty much fell on its face right about that time. So in about two, three months, I kind of did some other jobs and then, and then the opportunity came up to go to work for my uncles um, up at Camp Govey there. So I, I uh, got into that, and as they say, when you wear out your first pair of corks, you're hooked for life, and that's kind of what happened. Ah, cool. So, yeah. so how did you go from working for them to working for yourself today? I worked for Dale Carter about nine years. Um, so 1991, um, I had the opportunity to uh, uh, get involved with our own company through Dick Tagman, so we took advantage of that. Okay. And so did you start small and grow? Is that kind of how it went? I started, I was pretty small for a while. It was, it was probably, oh, eight, nine years. It was just uh, me. I ended up processing under the tower. Um, first I was hooking, but I ended up processing. One of the first ones to have a stroke delimber and I, that was 92, um, but I started running that. So it was just me in the tower for, you know, eight, nine years. And then we kind of slowly expanded. We added a, Feller buncher, we added a processor and then another shovel, but it, it took a while for us to grow. The first 10 years was pretty cautious. And and was it just you or did you have any other employees then? It was me and a tower side, which probably had about uh, six other employees. So I think we had a total of 10 employees after about nine years. So that was where we stayed for the first. Okay. And um, so now, um, you well, you had mentioned once um, or a couple times, you guys, that it takes kind of a good partner to make that all work. I assume you had a family and all that going on during those years. Oh yes, um, especially now. It, if if it wasn't for my my wife Carmen, I think everybody knows her in the industry. She's uh, she's a big part of R.L. Smith Logging, and it it definitely takes a real good partner. And she's uh, more than more than my wife. She's definitely a partner. That's cool. So now that um, you've been doing this for a while, do you have some advice for someone who might be starting out? 
Um, my advice would be be prepared for a lot of hard work, especially when you first start. Um, I spent, you know, 70, 80 hours a week that first five years just to make sure I made it. Um, it's not easy when you first start. You, you hope you get the chance, but it just it takes so much capital and money to get going. Um, you just you, you wonder if you're ever going to make it that first five years. But if you stay at it um, and keep track of your cost, you'll, you'll be successful. So I know that you have done a lot of work with the uh, Olympic Logging Conference and the PLC. Um, what do you get out of working with those and volunteering with those organizations? When I, when I first um, was in business for 12 to 15 years, I always thought, oh, I don't, I don't have time for these conferences. And as our kids got a little older, we had a chance to get away a little bit. But once you start doing these conferences, you, you realize what network opportunities there are for you. And right now, I would say 80% of our work is we've met through these different um, people at it. And right now, it's just, there's such great people. Um, and now we're getting involved on the boards. When you first start going, you're kind of just there, taking it all in. And then pretty soon, they ask you to be on the board. And you, now, we're all, we're going to be chairman of the um, Olympic Logging Conference uh, 2021, and the PLC will be the president of that here, I think, in three years, maybe four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, now it's like you're giving back to the industry. You know, the industry has been really good for a lot of people, and especially us, so we feel that we're giving back to the industry by being on these boards and putting in a little more time. So if someone was going to join one of these boards right now, what advice would you give them to take advantage of what's available? If you, if you, if you just show up to the conference and make that connection, so I, I would say making that connection, um, people that you normally wouldn't see, uh, you can meet, talk to them, uh, pick their brain, and, uh, and, and down the road, you never know what that's going to bring to your company. So you actually sort of spearheaded the Adopt a High School program for the PLC. And um, I was wondering if you could explain a little bit of that program. Well, actually, I would say Todd Gordon did a lot of uh, arm wrestling with me. So he kind of spearheaded it. I might kind of be the face of it for the PLC, but, uh, but he was kind of more behind it than I was. But, but anyway, um, we, we all work on it together. But basically, it's a self-directed toolbox for the forestry industry to get in with your local high school so you can do some recruiting. Um, so it's been uh, a real good win-win situation for us. Um, you know, I get to go talk to high school um, freshman class at Elma every year. Um, so, but there's other schools that want us to do it. So I, I, if I had more time, I probably would. Um, there's a few other loggers, I think, that are taking advantage of that program. Um, but, it, but it's a great way to uh, do some recruiting and really get in with that local high school and actually um, educate the educators. Kids really don't know what's going on in that working force. So it's really, it's really neat to do it. Cool. And so have you gotten any sort of apprentices out of this program? Yes. I, right now I have a real young mechanic. He, uh, he was actually just before the adopt high school, but he was the local high school. We recruited him to work in our shop. Um, one of the kids, uh, he just started running our uh, harvest line grapple yarder. He was, uh, a really good hook tender. Uh, we got him running equipment here now, but he came from the program. Um, we have one other kid that's uh, gonna graduate this year. 
that we hope in two years he's going to be uh, running equipment for us. He's helping us in the shop right now. We've had two other kids, you know, they don't all make it, but we've had two other kids, uh, um, you know, put, put some time in with us and they've kind of, I've had one kid call me back and say that was the best job I ever had. I kind of screwed up. So he's wanting to come back, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> That's cool. So do you ever have any girls that try out for this? No, but I really do promote. I really, uh, I tell the girls that I, I would have a job for them in the shop and I really haven't had any interest yet. I think women are going to be a huge part of our industry going forward. Just because I think there's, you know, there's a few that you see driving truck, um, running equipment. Um, but we, we need to see more, more girls get in our industry. And I think there's a big opportunity for them. So, um, just in general advice for the next generation who might be looking at the forest industry, what would you, what do you tell them? I guess when you're at the school, <laughs> I, t I tell them the sky's the limit. Um, you know, expect a lot of hard work, um, but there's a lot of outdoor kids out there. There's, you know, kids grown up on farms that they, they know how to work, um, but, you know, expect a lot of hard work, expect some good time, good discipline, um, but, and you got to be a team player. Um, that's a big part of our industry is uh, with all the technology and equipment, you got to work together with everybody. Um, but boy, I, I just, with every, with our age, I've been doing it, what, 40 years, and mm -hmm. I'm, almost one of the younger guys, it seems like, but I, we've got a lot of guys that are going to be retiring in the next five years, probably five to 10 years. And I just, this whole industry is going to need a whole bunch of young um, kids to do this. So I, I think the sky's the limit for them. We want to take a quick break to thank our sponsors, the Pacific Logging Congress and the Pacific Forest Foundation. Their members work hard to provide sound technical education about the forest industry through scholarships, various programs, including this podcast and an annual Congress. This year, it will take place November 8th through the 11th in Palm Springs, California. You're invited to check out their websites at pacificloggingcongress.org and pacificforestfoundation.org. Okay, let's hear more from Roger. Oh, that's great. And I know that you talked a little bit about succession planning. Is that something that's on your mind now or you're working through or? Yeah, my uh, nephew, Nathan, he's uh, actually taken over the tower side. He's probably about five years into an eight year plan of taking over the tower side. He's been with us for probably 20 years, 21 years. He right out of, I think he went one year uh, college and he joined our crew, um, but he's taken over the tower side and I'm hoping he can take over a little more of our company, but you know, there's 43 employees and lots of equipment. We have six sides going. So I'm looking at a couple other people that we're going to get started here soon. Um, uh, actually we got one guy that we're starting here in the next couple months with a shovel side. So you know, he can work with us. We can work, side by side for four or five years and then hopefully I can get a couple people set up and then by the time I'm 65 I can make that decision whether I stay part of it or uh, uh, right off in the sunset. <laughs> <laughs> so now that um, you, you've got all these sides and all this is going on um, are, are you still trying to expand or are you calling kind of staying about the same size now or you know i i think i'm maxed out you know we have yeah we have a, a have a lot of good technology new technology i mean we to uh 
winch assist sides, steep slope logging, grapple yarding, drones. I, I just, uh, you know, maybe we'll invest in more technology, but I think, I think we're pretty much maxed out for what I need to be doing. Okay. And so this has been a pretty long career so far. Any highlights, any moments that were kind of special to you that stick out? You know, just the last five years, it just seems like logging this uh, technology out there. I mean, you didn't see any tethering, steep slope. I mean, the, the technology in the last five years, it really brought, you know, it brought it back to where it's really fun again. When I first started, I mean, I working in the rigging was as fun as it could ever get for me. So I was always just, you know, part of that production and part of that crew. And it's fun, fun, fun. But, you know, you do the same thing for 30, 35 years. And it kind of changed a little bit with yeah. binders and processors. But, the, boy, the last five years, technology just boomed. And uh, uh, it's been neat to invest in technology because I think it's uh, – it's really rewarding to see it work well. And, and I think the landowners like to see it work well too. So are the guys enjoying the new technology? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Bruce is learning to fly the drone. So he gets a little nervous until he gets it down, but it's fun to watch him panic a little bit, but he'll be good. And just to let folks know, what are you using the drone for? Um, the drone's basically made for, uh, we got that from uh, Mark Stanley, um, it's made for making uh, big layouts. Uh, I think I, I watched it for about a year and I thought, oh, gosh, is that really going to work? And then, boy, as soon as you see that thing pull rope out 3,500 feet in about 10, 15 minutes, come back and everybody looks at you and they use, why didn't we do this, you know, a year ago when it was out here? But it's uh, saving the work where it takes two guys, you know, it'll take two guys with a lot of labor stringing haywire when it can be done in. 10 minutes when it takes two guys almost all day to make a big layout. So I'm guessing this makes us all safer than it used to be. Uh, it makes it a lot safer, um, especially the age of everybody getting out there. We have all the knowledge and when you're a hook tender, you start, you know, you're in your upper fifties and, and you get something like this and what, you know, you can get another 10 years or five, eight years, whatever out of somebody. And they feel like I, I, they can really do that. It, it takes the real hard labor out of hooking, which tenon hook is probably the hardest job you could ever do out there um, in, in logging, I think. But, you know, I never remember. I know that's hard, too. But, but uh, I, as, as far as taking the real hard labor out of it, it, it really makes it nice. Okay. So, um, and looking ahead, if you have a crystal ball, what do you think is ahead for the timber industry? Well, with this uh, coronavirus, I think we're going <laughs> to be for a sudden change here. So, you know, everybody's kind of scrambling what the market's going to do. Um, it's it's kind of sad because I think we're everybody was on pace for uh, really good times in this industry. And this is it's going to shake the industry up a little bit kind of unexpectedly. So, um, I think it, it can be tight. Uh, it can get tight. But, you know, if anything, I've been through it three or four or five times now, it seems like it just, you know, you, you, you try to charge enough so you can save for a rainy day because um, you can gobble up, you know, three years of profit in just a few months time if you're not careful. Yeah. And so do you see the virus having just an effect on the market or um, just that, that exactly how it might affect the industry? Do you, is anybody talking I, you about You know, that? I just, I think when they start saying unemployment and lumber market, lumber futures took a big tumble and just a lot of uncertainty. I hope it's short lived. 
but I can see I can see it lasting a little while. I mean, there's different ways to look at it, but we had a lot of momentum in the housing going, and now you just wonder is that did that just really take a big hit here? Hopefully, the virus is short. We do the yeah. thing. We're back on track again, real quick. That's what we're hoping for. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the uh, do you think the uh, cross laminated timber is going to affect the industry at all, or? You know, I think there's a lot of good things about about that. Um, I know, as far as the green industry, the CLT is a, a big hit in our state. I think the the whole state of Washington and environmentalists are really seeing where forestry is good and cross laminated timber can uh, really store that carbon for us. So. Are you guys scared about it, or I I think logging is kind of a low risk occupation, but as far as the virus hitting it, you know, yeah. We, yeah, I think a lot of, we've been coaching all of our employees because we're all older, you know, just, hey, when you do this, wear gloves, when you when yeah. you go do this, and you can't help but think about it, and, you know, and I've got, we've got a lot of older guys, and you can tell a few of them are kind of freaking out about it, so you kind of mentor them a little bit, and but then other guys need a little more information about it because they're not cautious enough, so we're we're trying to do the right thing like we're like everybody's a big family, so we're trying to give them what information we have, and we talk about it a lot. So, do you have any goals looking ahead? What I think one thing I am going to start talking about at our adopt a high school program through the high or through the local high schools is um, if you have any interest in running equipment and you don't quite get that chance with the local employers, is is that first seat program at Shasta College. Uh, I've actually been working with the Grace Harbor College too to get, I hooked them up with uh, them down there so we can get that, hopefully get that started up here at Grace Harbor College. Last year we, you know, we donated the shovel, donated the skitter, and I had somebody cut the piece for us, uh, but it was uh, definitely need a little more structure, but I think where the potential's there and there's a need for that everywhere, but what a great program down there. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell the kids there's, there's an opportunity there if you uh, ever get the chance. We appreciate you taking time today to listen to Talking Timber. We want to thank Roger Smith of R.L. Smith Logging, as well as our sponsors, the Pacific Forest Foundation and the Pacific Logging Congress. If you have topics you'd like us to cover, please feel free to reach out to me at diane at pacificloggingcongress.com. Thanks again. Until next time, take care.